0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Awesome. So how are we today, Church? Uh, Commiserations to soccer lovers. Are there some that are here? Did anyone go to the game? I'm sure it was, it was, it would have been fun, but um, yeah, that's, uh, I, I like to watch my six-year-old play soccer, I think, so, um, but sorry about that, but uh, hey, I hope you've had a great weekend. Apart from that, um, we have been doing this great series um, called The New Normal Series, and uh, you know, I love that. We've actually been talking about this new normal in my family for a little while now because you know I'd say over the past 10 years God's done a real work in my heart in terms of the spirit and my inheritance in the kingdom and who I am in Christ and the power of God working through me and having little kids it's my heart that they just start from a new normal and um, but I remember God said to me you can't just want that for them Mel because they learn from you so if you want it to be their new normal then it has to be your new normal as well. So, um, so I want to encourage you that as, as we outwork this new normal in our own lives, that younger generation coming up are seeing that, and that just becomes the platform from which they launch. So, um, you know, we've had a great uh, whole lot of things happening um, through this series, and it started all off with our spirit and truth intensive. Um, so I just want to encourage you to, to get into God, pursue the Holy Spirit, and see what He's actually outworking in your life. Because um, I know that it's going to be awesome. So, new normal. Say it with me: new normal. New normal. So, what is yours? And um, I listened to Pastor Keith's message. You guys had the privilege of having him out here last week, and he was talking about a new normal, which is a life that's set free by the Spirit. Um, And he reminded us that our freedom is gained for us in salvation. And when we believe in Jesus and his death on the cross, we have our freedom. And I love that. Um, It's not just a a semantics thing. But what we can say is we don't actually fight for freedom, but you walk in freedom. And it's a really important mind um, thing to get because you don't battle against the enemy for something that he's trying to steal from you. He actually has no power over freedom happening in your life. You already have that, and it's just our choice to walk in it. He has no power, and that's what we were just singing in that song. He actually has no power over you and everything that God wants to pour in and through you in your world. And that is an awesome truth that we should hang on to, absolutely. And, I mean, we could just camp right there. But there's more. And I get the privilege and the pleasure today of coming to say God didn't just stop at freedom. He didn't just stop at freeing you from something. And what we're gonna talk today is about what happens now. So you have your freedom moments in your world and you go, yay, I see that old way of thinking or I see that old character in me and I feel like God has just set me free from that. And God goes, okay, Now there's more. Let me show you what I'm going to transform you into. And that is what we're going to be looking at today. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you... Actually, I'm not going to say if you've got your Bibles. Get your Bibles out. And if you don't have it today, bring it next week. But I did have to steal Scylla's today because I forgot mine. (laughs) So don't hold that against me. Um, So we are reading from 2 Corinthians 3. And we're going to be reading verses 17... And 18 today. So turn to there in your scripture. And you know, um, this is a really, I'm really excited to share this today because I'm not just sharing this from, I read this in the word and I've prepared it this week and I'm now going to give you a message on it. But it's really been a journey that I've been walking over the past 12 months. And as I was preparing this message for you today, I'm having these, ah, that's what you've been doing, God, over this time. I just didn't have the language to describe it. Um, And I remember a really significant freedom moment. And I wonder if you can just think now about a significant freedom moment in your world. What has been one? Something where God has just come in and it's like he's turned the light switch on and you've gone, oh, I always used to think that way, but now I see the truth. Or I always used to act like that, but now I see how God wants me to be. So can you think of a freedom moment? And for me last year... Um, it was the beginning of last year. I had this moment where God showed me that I had this really deep root of insecurity. And all throughout my life, I'd been you know, dealing with little things on the surface, character traits or things that I thought or things that I did. But in, in this particular church service, he went and here's the root of it. And I'm not a gardener, but I do know enough to know that if you don't pull a weed out by the root, it just keeps popping up. Yeah. And so it was this significant moment where I had this, aha, that's where all that other stuff is coming from. And I responded on the altar call and and I felt this physical weight lift off me. And I knew that there had been a spiritual transaction. And after that point, it was like I saw things differently. And um, events would happen in my world and I would recognise it and go, ah, that's what that is. Well, I'm not going to think like that anymore. And um, it was like I was seeing things new for the first time. But then there was this process that I started to observe God outworking. And it wasn't like I just got free from insecurity and then I, I just got left there. But God started to do this work in me that began to transform me, not just free from insecurity, but to a place of complete security. So he took me from something and he's taking... Because it's a continual journey me to something. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if we've got two Corinthians, it says in the NIV version, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, I love, I've also put the King James Version up here because I really love the imagery that it creates. And as you're reading this, as you're hearing it today, I want you to get a picture in your mind about this process. So in the King James Version, it says, But we all, with an open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. So can you get a picture of that? It's like we have this mirror, And we stand in front of a mirror, but what we see in there is the image of God. It's the glory of God. And as we stay in that place of presence and as we're beholding that glory, it says that we're contemplating that glory or reflecting that glory. Suddenly we find this process happening whereby we are actually being changed to look like the very image that we're seeing. And God says in his word here that that is this process of transformation that he wants to do in each and every one of us. And that's what happens after the freedom moment. It's an incredible, incredible truth. And I don't want to unpack that with us today. So the purpose of freedom was always to lead us to transformation. And, you know, I wonder, have you ever been inspired by a Christian hero? And if you've been read, read a story of someone or maybe it's actually someone real in your world or, um, you know, I read a great book called Defining Moments and it goes through these, you know, people you've heard through history, your Smith Wigglesworth, those type, and it talks about their defining moments with the Holy Spirit um, and then their transformation since then. And, um, you know, there's something about them. Why, why are we drawn to them? Why do we look at them and think, oh wow, wouldn't I love to be like them? Like there's something that draws you to them. And I remember going to a conference in Melbourne and I heard a man by the name of Leif Hetland speak. Have anybody heard of Leif Hetland? I'd never heard of him before this time. But I sat under his teaching and I've got written in my journal. I felt like as I was looking into his eyes that I was looking into the literal eyes of Jesus. It was so undoing to me because I saw the love of God in a way that I have never, ever, ever experienced before. And I kind of imagine it was this part of what it would be like to sit at Jesus' feet and just actually behold and look upon him. Um, and so I am looking at this man, but yet I am seeing Jesus. And uh, what was it? Why was it? What was it about him that actually enabled me to do that? You know, this, so Leif Hetland, or these examples of Christian heroes you might think of, they've been on a and are being transformed into the image of Christ. And I would propose to you that The thing that we see in them and the thing that's drawn to them is that we're seeing the image of Christ in them and we're seeing a glory that actually radiates from them because they are being transformed to look like God and that's what draws us because the glory of God will always draw us because that's how we were created and we'll always be drawn to that and that very truth is the same thing that God wants for us and this is what this scripture is about which is just amazing. So verse 17. If we go back to um, the verse 17 says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So that's our beginning point, and that is what um, Pastor Keith would have spoken about as a part of last week. So wherever the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom in your life, and he makes Paul makes it very clear here um, that the Holy Spirit is God. And that he is and has divine power to bring freedom. The Holy Spirit is not an optional extra. He is a key part of the Trinity. The the Trinity of God is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And he has this divine power that when he is in our lives, he brings about freedom. Now, I'm going to throw out there that I don't actually think you can have genuine relationship with the Holy Spirit and not experience freedom in your heart. Because the Holy Spirit's whole heart towards you is that you would be transformed into the image of Christ. And so He wants to outwork freedom in your life. He wants to set you free from the things that bind you, from the fears that you have, from the anxiety that you might have, from the insecurities that we have, from the things that have come upon us because of our fallen nature. And so when we pursue the Spirit... What this scripture is saying is that when we pursue the spirit, there is freedom. Now, the context of this scripture is actually Paul. So it's in the book of Corinthians and it's a second letter or maybe not be the exact second letter, but it's another letter that Paul had written to the Corinthian church. And believe it or not, Paul's legitimacy as an apostle was being questioned. And so he's writing this letter to the Corinthian church, um, try, responding to, I guess, these questions about, are you really an apostle? Have you really been sent by God to minister to us? And the letter of the 2nd Corinthians is all about Paul not defending his apostleship with human means, but what he's saying is if you look at the work of the Spirit in my life, that is the legitimacy that God has sent me. And so throughout this book, he gives examples of how the Spirit is at work. So the beginning of of transformation is freedom. But it doesn't stop at verse 17. And I think, and I myself quote verse 17 a lot, and we kind of sit on that bit because when we get into verse 18, it gets a little bit messy and it gets a little bit hard to understand. And sometimes I think we balk a little bit at the word glory um, and we might just kind of put it down to, I don't know, some shining light or some angelic kind of encounter. And we don't actually... Go, what does it mean for me to be transformed into his image with ever increasing glory? Because in that, he wasn't actually talking about angels. He wasn't talking about spiritual beings. He's actually talking about you. The plan of God is to increase his glory upon you. And what does that actually look like in today? I really felt that for some of you, there's real hope in this message for you. Because some of us have freedom moments and then might feel like we get stuck there. And if we don't pursue the spirit to move through transformation, the enemy will come in at your freedom moment and he can use that to condemn you and to say, see, you didn't really get free from that. See, you you aren't really a child of God. You really can't get any better than you are. And God never intended for us to stay stuck in just freedom is an incredibly amazing thing and god wants to free you from your sin but he always intended that we'd be able to move on from that and to be transformed into what we were always created for at the beginning so let's go back to our scripture it says now the lord is the spirit with the spirit of the lord is there is freedom and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So what is this transformation that Paul is talking about here? I mean, we hear transformation a lot and it's it's not a new concept in our world. And there are a million self-help books out there that are telling you how to transform your life. They'll transform your finances, they'll transform your personal world, they'll transform your relationships. Um, And it's also not, I, I don't think it's a new concept in religion. There is a lot of religions that talk about this process of becoming a better person or transforming ourselves to try and find this high level of perfection or this pursuit of a place where everything suddenly finds its way to be right. So it's not a new concept. But there is a difference between the transform that Paul is actually talking about and the transform that we might come to know as the world, is self-help. And the difference is that in the world, it's all reliant on our own strength. So do you remember that Inside Out series? Who was around for the Inside Out series that we did last year? Any hands? So we were talking about the fact that we had spirit and then soul and body. And that to bring about change in our lives, we were having to work from the inside out. We needed to change in our spirit, which would then lead to change in our body or into our soul and into our body. And if we were trying to do it from the outside in, trying to use external measures, it only gets so far. Well, this is this concept that Paul is talking about here. And in the world... We try and use external measures to change us. So we try and set ourselves routines or we might try and, um, I don't know, physically change our external appearance or we, we try and do things from the outside in. But as a Christian, we know that the inherent dysfunction is actually coming from our fallen nature and the sin that God wants to overcome from the inside. And we have been set free from our sin But there is this process of transformation as we work from the inside out. So we're really coming back to that series and seeing here in this verse, Paul talking about this thing. Um, And who likes reality TV? Anybody? (laughs) Neither do I, Pastor (laughs) L. But I do know enough, there is a lot of TV shows that look at makeovers. And whether they be losing weight type makeovers or whether they be changing your appearance, giving you clothing, taking you shopping for clothing, or they might even be about changing your external, like your house or giving you a holiday or something. Um, They've all got this promise of if we do this, we're going to change your life. And usually what you'll find as you journey with these people is there's, there's internal problems that they're experiencing. They're usually, there's, there's something that they're trying to overcome. And so they go on this journey and they, you do the TV show and they get to the end and, oh, it's all amazing. They look amazing or they've got an incredibly now styled wardrobe or their house is awesome or they went on a great holiday. But the really sad thing is that for most of these people, if you actually followed them up six months later or 12 months later, They're back at the same place that they were before they started the TV show. And you have to ask the question, why? Why did that transformation not stick? And the reason is because they were trying to change something on the inside by coming through the external challenges, by coming from the outside. You can't change an internal thing by trying to fix what you see on the surface. And so when God purposes us to get freedom we find freedom, He always then intends that we get transformed so that the very things that He has freed us from become past and we become more like the image of Christ and we are released into what God has created for us to do. So I want you all to say with me, we are being transformed. We are being transformed. If you take nothing away from today... I want you to remember that you are being transformed and to pursue the Spirit for what it is that He is transforming in your life, to move away, to celebrate the freedom moment, but to not stay there. Instead, God wants you to turn and look to where He's taking you and get a picture for the image that He's creating in you. Now, in this scripture, Paul also shows us that this is not a limited offer. It is not only available to leaders or pastors or people with certain credentials, but you will see at the beginning of verse 18, he says, And we all, who with unveiled faces. So we have to ask the question, who is the we all? And does that include us? Now, when you're reading scriptures always read around the context. There is so much that helps us to understand. We often pick verses and we just love to throw them out there on their own, but there is so much richness in knowing how they fit in the whole scheme of things. So if you actually flick back in verses 14 to 16, Paul shows us who the we all are. So he says, but the people, and he's talking about the Israelites, The people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so that they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So, he talks about in that verse, the we all with unveiled faces is relating back to what he was talking here about the Israelites who had a veil. And he's not actually talking about a literal veil in this scripture, he's talking about a spiritual veil. So, there was this veil that covered their hearts. So, a veil is, it is just a you know, in a literal concept, a piece of material that you would put to cover. um, Brides used to walk down the aisle with a veil over their heads and it would cover their faces until came the point in the um, ceremony where they would be like unveiled to the groom. But we don't do that anymore, not too much. But um, so what Paul's saying is there's like this thing that's covering their hearts and what it means is that they're not seeing the image of God, they're not understanding and they're not, um, they can't see Christ and so they're missing, missing the point and it's not just about the Israelites because um, later on in chapter 3 he also says that there is a veil that covers the mind of unbelievers. So people who do not know Christ also have this veil that blocks them from seeing this true image and understanding Christ but he says in this verse how we get rid of the veil. The veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, that veil is taken away and you are invited into the presence of God and you are able to participate in this scripture where it says, Take out the we all and put your name in. And you, with an unveiled face, are able to stand there and behold the presence, the glory of God, the image of God, and you are being transformed into His image. Make it personal when you're reading that Scripture. You no longer have anything blocking you from the glory and the presence of God. You are welcome at any moment, all moments, to stand in that place and to receive from Him and the Spirit and knowing the person of the Spirit, He is the one that helps you to be in that place. And He is the one that outworks that transformation in you. So when you believe in Jesus, not only do you receive freedom, but you are welcomed into this incredible place of presence and glory of God. And in that place, we begin to be transformed into His image. we are also transformed into his glory. And here's what I love about his glory and his image are really linked together. The glory is not this um, thing that it's too hard to understand. And we need to, I guess, catch a glimpse of that, that the glory is, um, is just about the more we are in the image of Christ, the more glory that we actually begin to radiate. The more that we actually become like Christ, there is this glory that radiates out of us and that's what attracts people to the image of Christ. That's these people that you hold as heroes or people that you, um, you know have been in the presence of God. There is something about them and that is the glory of God. You know, we are being transformed into His image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You know, I read this quote and it said, The coming of the Spirit brought the old to an end and has appropriated the work of Christ through whom the effects of the fall have been radically reversed. Through Christ, by the Spirit, we are being transformed so as to bear the likeness for which we were intended at the beginning. What I love about that quote is it's saying, so the coming of the Spirit, it brought the old to an end. So the old covenant where all they had was law. Law was only able to point out their sin, but it was powerless to change them. So when Jesus died on the cross, He appropriated that work. He reversed the effects of the fall, completely reversed them so that now by the Spirit, you are actually transformed back to the way God originally designed you at the beginning. So in Genesis, he said he created you in the image of God. That is his purpose for you, that you would be transformed to the image of God. That is not something that happens when you get to heaven. And I think we hear that, but we don't actually really take it to heart. We kind of go, yeah, that's a nice concept. Yep. Yeah, we can become like Christ But what Paul is saying here, and I think the Word of God to us today is, no, it's not something to just put on the back burner and it's not something to just wait for when we get to heaven, but your very inheritance and the very gift of God to you is that you are transformed into His image so that you would actually look like Christ. Those heroes that you look at, that is you. You are meant to be one of them. You will be transformed into His image and people will be drawn to you and they will speak of you like you speak of those that you admire. And people are going to come into the kingdom. So like Christina shared about this cup worker who invited and she saw when she came to church this thing that she couldn't describe and it's this glory of God. It's an image of Christ in people and people are drawn to that. And that is who we are meant to be. Amen. This is good. We are absolutely freed from something so that we are transformed to His image. You know, And um, I, just, I did want to tackle the glory thing. So I want to have a look at 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 11, which is earlier in the, in the chapter. And it says, The old way with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way, so if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? I will admit I have read that sometimes and just gone, I'm lost in the glory. There's glorious and more glorious and fading glory and not glory. And, but you know what? I just think Paul got really excited because he got a revelation that we look at Moses and we think he went up to Mount Sinai and he met with God and he came back with a shining face. How amazing. That's glory. Absolutely, that was glory. But Paul's got this revelation that if that was glory, wow, imagine what we've got. Because Moses didn't have the Holy Spirit. Moses was unable to be changed from the inside out. Moses had a relationship with God that I can't explain how that happens, but he did. God is graceful and merciful and he had a relationship and he allowed his glory to be seen on Moses. But how much more do we have now that we have the Holy Spirit living in us and He can actually empower us to become like Christ? I just think Paul got really excited and just was writing a lot about this glory because he'd had this revelation that glory is not some weird old old covenant outdated term that we no longer talk about or we only talk about in the sense of maybe a worship song or a presence encounter but what he's saying is that very glory is actually in you and is actually meant to be radiated from you and if that's what Moses looked like imagine what we are meant to look like and imagine what God is actually doing in us and remember that's everyone. When you believe in Jesus, that's your inheritance. So this is not just for people that are up the front or it's not just for the missionaries out on the mission field. It is meant to be each and every one of us radiating with the glory of God as we are transformed into his image. I just I think like Paul if you actually dwell on that, you can get a bit excited you can find something beginning to shift in your heart because you're not just getting free but you're actually getting transformed to to a person that's going to look amazing because you're going to look like Jesus and you read the stories of Jesus in the book and you see what you know what Jesus did here in the Bible and God's saying hey you're going to do more Jesus said you were going to do more God's saying you're going to be created and changed into this image and imagine what you were going to do and imagine what people are going to see in and of you and it's not only more glory but the thing about Moses is the glory could never stay on him did you actually know he wore the veil I only thought he wore the veil so that the Israelites weren't freaked out by the glory of God upon him but he actually wore the veil as well so that they wouldn't see that the glory was fading because that would be a little concerning to the Israelites that this God of and the glory from God is actually disappearing now does that mean God is leaving them So the glory that Moses had was not permanent. The glory that we have is. As we are transformed into his image, the glory only increases. It does not fade. You do not go backwards. You only go forwards. As you pursue the spirit, you are transformed little by little. Remember, in that verse, it says you are being transformed. Don't be overwhelmed by the end picture here. Be excited by the end picture, but know that it is a continual step-by-step process. Are being. It's over time. But know that if you pursue the Spirit, hey, you can have more. And you can have more and you can have more and you can absolutely accelerate your journey. And the more of the Spirit you pursue, the more of Him that you get to know, the more of His glory that will be poured out on you. And the faster I think that transformation will happen because He doesn't hold back from you. He is a good, good God that wants to pour this out. This is His intention for us. You know, and I often think sometimes we as Christians or even the church go, oh, we want to see more of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we inadvertently chase those experiences of the power. And what God's saying is it's always been inside of you. If you just pursue me and if you are transformed into my image, the power will flow. The examples of the Holy Spirit at work in your life will naturally come out of you. Can I have the team come on back up? Transformation... In this scripture and what God is telling us is we are going from who we were to the image of Christ. And I really felt as God was preparing this word today that we need to get a picture of what he's transforming us to. We get really stuck on everything that we're not. And we get stuck on the things that we failed in. And um, yeah, we just get stuck. And God is saying, do you know what? You need to look forward and see what I am transforming you into. You need to get a picture of who I see you to be. When you look in that mirror, you need to see me. You need to see God and His image and His glory. And then you need to know in your heart that that's what you are being transformed into. When you go home today, when you get dressed tomorrow and you are looking in that mirror... We need to be seeing that glory and that reflection of God. You know, as I was praying about this, I really felt that, um, I really saw that, you know, Jesus invoked a response wherever He went. Sometimes it was positive and sometimes it wasn't. But there was always a response because when you carry the kingdom of God, it will come up against the kingdom of the world. So sometimes people will react negatively to the kingdom of God. But overwhelmingly in the Bible, we see positive responses to Jesus. But the key that God said to me is Jesus invoked a response. Don't, don't worry about what the response was. The fact was that He, inv- he made a response. People responded to Him wherever He went. They were not apathetic about Jesus. And church, I think the greatest sadness that I can think of is that we would be a people that don't actually invoke a response, that we would be a church that a community can be apathetic towards. Because if we are people that are walking in the image of Christ, then we should absolutely be invoking responses in the people that are around us. And as a church, there should be something in this community, the glory of God that they are drawn to, and that is who we are. And I just—I have always had this saying in my heart, you know, if, oh, if we could just be Christians and just be Jesus, the world would see and know, and and there would—this is how the multitudes come to Him. It's through each and every one of us living out our inheritance to walk in the image of Christ. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.